We're just over one week away before the Australian under-18 squad flies out to uh, their uh, training camp and then to participate in the uh, under-18 World Cup. And head coach Andrew Kyle stops by to do a monster podcast here. We sort of were just running through a bit of a rundown and we might have an hour's worth of stuff to talk about. So um, thanks very much for coming in, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always good to talk baseball with you. It's the biggest uh, junior baseball event on the calendar, and we're doing something very unique in terms of our approach this year. And I think in previous podcasts uh, that we've done with you, you've sort of alluded to what we're doing, but it'd be really cool just to condense for everyone, what is the approach we're taking this year and why are we doing it? Yeah, um, the new one for us is we're taking a bigger squad to a pre-camp. Uh, previously, we've had opportunities with MLB through academies and things like that where we've had a group of guys together and we can prepare. But without that, um, at the moment, we've decided to take a, a bigger group to camp, try and pick the best guys that are in form before we lead into the World Cup. But also, on the flip side of that, it's also taking uh, greater opportunities for kids to go over and play perfect game, play live games, and get opportunities to be seen by coaches and scouts. So we're trying to open up the pool and experience for more individuals, but also for us and myself as a staff um, and manager is picking the best kids uh, ready to go into the tournament. I think um, for those unaware, the approach in years past has always been in January, you go away and you represent your state, you have a killer tournament, you make the Australian squad, there's a training camp April, May-ish, and then these events happen in August, September, and it's not really the best preparation where other countries are rolling in from their summer and their guys are hot and ready to go. So it's fairly um, – it's a it's a highly beneficial approach because you can take guys who are playing well and are hot. Um, and I think <clears throat> the other piece that a lot of people probably aren't aware of is it costs a lot of money to send a child away to represent their country, unfortunately, particularly in this sport. So the fact that – you guys can put them into an environment where they can showcase their skills in front of colleges and pro teams as well. It's a bit of a double bite of the cherry and it's an investment the parents can make um, to not only represent your country but actually have your child be seen and then further down the road pay exorbitant amounts of money to send them to college. So you, you had a camp earlier in the year. We sort of um, had chatted about that selection process. You got it down to a squad of 45? Yeah, roughly 40, yep. And what have those guys been doing sort of since the camp up until the lead-up now? Yeah, so everyone's been back in the individual states working with their high-performance coaches and players. So we've had a – especially the pitchers have had a very specific pitching plan, um, plan which obviously we spoke about before with Tyler Anderson, putting that together, um, trying to prep them and get them re- most ready uh, for the tournament. So most of the guys the last few weeks have been staying their high-intent ball pens, throwing live, uh, live hitters and trying to build up their week-by-week uh, pitch counts. Um, Closer and, and more recently, we've been working towards pitchers in uh, more starting roles or relief roles. So relievers are now starting to go twice a week, start as we're building up up-downs or number of pitches. Position players uh, have moved from um, a lot of swing practice, ground balls, things like that, to more gameplay now, speeding up the game. We, we have the kids jumping on the machine regularly, facing high velo, and just trying to speed up the game and get them ready more um, for what we're going to see over there. Um, and really implementing more decision-making things around that. So from a preparation point of view, is it the pitching side of things that's harder to get ready because most of the guys have ramped down when the season finishes, now you're trying to ramp them back up? Is that What's the hardest part of preparing a team remotely? 
Uh, twofold. Sometimes, uh, depending on the states, so some states have different competitions throughout the year, weather-wise, opportunities and things like that. So sometimes the pitches can be an issue. Um, but for the most part, we've shut all the pitches down from playing during the winter. So they've been on a very specific throwing plan. So plan. So in some regards, the pitching's been a little bit easier this winter. Um, we've taken a really strategic approach with the arms. So everyone's been on a very similar page with building their arm strength up and making sure their arms are ready to go. Um, so for me, it's more around the position players um, because we need to try and get them prepared to face 95 to 98 miles an hour with dirty sliders and, and things like that. It's off, and it's our off-season. So we can't simulate that game. So we're trying to create practice environments that can assist them in speeding the game up and making decisions and getting them the best prepared we can Um without playing high-level games because it's our off-season. And compared to Canada and Japan and, and you know, USA and the high-level competitions where potentially they're in season, they got more opportunities to face really high-leverage players, um, we don't have that opportunity over here. So for me, that's probably the hardest thing for our position players to get ready for. You said 95 to 97 and I snickered. But that's legit, right? They're going to see kids who can dial it up to that level. Oh, there might be some guys 9,800. Potentially over there. Now yeah. I'm laughing. Yeah. It's, it's a different level, you know, and like I said, it's we don't have those guys over here. So mm. it's pretty hard to prepare a kid to face that when they just don't see it regularly. So, you know, we're jumping on the machine, we're getting them as close as possible just so they can feel what that speed looks like and, and be the best prepared they can. So this is a baseball question from a dummy. Um, how quickly can you get a kid off a plane into a baseball uniform and get them ready to see that when they get there. For, you know, you've got a week or two before this tournament starts. Like, can you can Australian kids get ready for that? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's tough, yeah. you know, and history shows us tough. Yeah. And hitting is hard. We know that yeah. baseball, you know, at that level is really difficult. So the big thing for us is telling these kids that they're going to fail and it's going to be tough. Yeah. And so we're trying to prepare them kind of mentally – that they're up against it and it's okay that they're going to struggle, they're going to look terrible at times, but that's okay. Um, we're asking kids that can compete, get in there and, and, you know, they might look ugly two or three at bats, but they're going to step up late in the game and, and get a job done for us. So that's what we're looking for. Um, we know they're not going to be able to get up there and square four balls up against 94. It's, mm. it's unrealistic. So just kind of having that mindset, um, you know, and that's why we're trying to prepare the best we can over here and, and that's going to be a big part of that first week. Mm. In, in, in terms of oh, – it would be really interesting for you to um, kind of take people through the logistics of this and the approach. So team flies out next week. <clears throat> you guys meet as a squad in Florida. Um, where's the home base in Florida? Yeah, we're going to be at Fort Myers for yep. the, so uh, the, the leading week. Yeah, yep. so just down the road from the Twins. So we'll be uh, working out of the perfect game complex. I think they've got about six field cages. It's just an amazing complex from from my understanding. So we're, we're privy to being able to set up there and pretty much have free reign of some, some workout practice. Um, so a brief rundown of what the first week might look like. We'll, we'll get in, we'll have a meeting the next day, we'll work out the next day. Um, mornings we'll probably work out. Three or four mornings, that'll be time to go through our team defences, have a look at guys, take BP, um, take some reps, start start putting guys up against each other and see how they compare because ultimately we've got to pick the best team and, and get ready. And then in the evenings, we're hoping to either do some intra-squad scrimmages, um, bring in live arms or perfect game guys so that our hitters can start to face 
some guys. Mm. Um, bit of competition. Uh, we've got a couple of games locked in for the perfect game um, in a little tournament. And then luckily we've been able to organise a game against Chinese Taipei, Canada and USA uh, right before we, we head uh, back down to Braderton. So before we get into team selection, one thing I just scribbled down. You said, "Oh, we got to in, we got to uh, put our team defense into into into, um, into practice." Do you? It's got to be hard showing up. Here's forty five guys, and by the way, this is how we're gonna. These are our set plays. These are team defense. How long does it typically take to embed that stuff? Obviously, you're dealing with some of our best players, so you'd like to think they've got a bit of IQ there to pick this stuff up. But is that hard to embed that type of stuff? It is a little bit. Um, that's why the camp process, you know, we run through what we kind of expect and, and run through those basic plays. Um, you know, we'll spend a few days trying to clean those up and be a bit more specific on what we want to see out of them and just kind of put them in an environment where we can, we can run them. Um, obviously, we can do what we want in individual states with individuals, but bringing them together mm. and, and working as a group is a little bit different story. But these guys are pretty good and for the most part um, – we prepare them over the last couple of years within state programs and HPs. So they're all aware of the plays by now. Mm. It's just um, individualising them and, and cleaning them up. Yeah, well, no one, no one dials into a uh, podcast to listen about bunt defence, so let's move on. Um, the I guess the stuff that's kind of unique from this experience is you're taking away a big squad um, and then you're going to select the team. So how does the, what are the mechanics of selecting a national team? And... You know, obviously you've got some pro guys coming along and you've got college guys who may already be over there or heading off to college. And and you'd probably, you know, you'd never go and say positions are guaranteed. But how do you go about selecting a squad like this with this lead up and preparation? Yeah, it's a little bit of back shaping. So obviously we need to pick 20, 20 players. Um, some of those will be pitchers, some of those position players. So generally we'll look at 8 to 10 to 11 arms. Um, we'll probably narrow down specifically what we need out of that group. Um, this year the games are seven innings, so the games are slightly shorter, so potentially not as many arms as what you would need for a nine-inning game. But ultimately we'll be looking in anywhere between 8 to 10 arms. Can we have a couple of two-way guys? So that might play a position but also can throw some innings as well. So that um, comes into play you know, in putting that puzzle together. We'll need a couple of catches. So we'll start creating depth ch- ch- charts for each position. So we'll look at our catching group, start to rate them, get an idea before we go, which we always communicate with. And then when we get there, really start to narrow down. And who's our best catches? Are they defensive catches? Can they swing it? We might take a third catch if the third t- catcher normally We'll play a position and, and roll as well. And then we have a group of four, potentially four outfielders, four infielders, and, and a guy that can maybe work between. Mm. So when I talk about depth charts, you know, we start ranking guys potentially in where they play. Um, it might be a defensive role, so they're a, they're a legit key defender, or can they swing a bat? Can they play a role off the bench? Can they come in and potentially put the ball out of the yard? Do they have speed? All those sort of things start to come into play. That's always the uh, the behind-the-scenes conversations with the coaching staff arguing over depth chart. I'm sure there's been a bit of back and forth about where players are ranked, et cetera, et cetera, with guys trying to fly the flag for their own their own guys. But how consistently across the coaching staff are you fairly well aligned on the depth chart or is it there's still some players with a bit of a coin flip? Oh, it's Look, we've had those conversations, right, and um, you know, we've been pretty open as a staff. Who we think... Um, is there or not there, um, but, you know, to be honest, 
it's really difficult because we're only comparing guys that we're seeing in our own individual states. Um, and, you know, we spoke about, look, this guy's making some really good adjustments and improvements, but we don't know how that looks compared to, you know, a guy in Sydney or Melbourne. You know, are they have they improved a lot since camp as well? So that's a little bit more difficult, um, you know. There's going to be spots available, mm. and I guess that's the beauty, and that's why we're trying to do this. Is if a guy goes over there um, and has good bat to ball skills, they're really clean defensively, and and we feel like they can do a job, then they're going to give themselves a chance to make the the team. And we're not going to, you know, my thing is we're not going to pick guys just because they look good. You know, we need guys that can compete, that can do a job late in a game, that can play a role. Um, it's going to be really important um, for us as a nation to be able to, to to make those key moments matter. Mm. So I'm guessing team selection starts pretty much the minute you get on the plane. Um, so through the workouts and the scrimmages, what, what are you as a head coach, you know, you've talked about, a lot of the stuff you've talked about is that those intangible skill sets, like how do you perform when the lights are on and those types of things. Is it is it kind of like that now where everyone who gets on the plane has physical skill sets now in the lead up to this team, it's who are the guys who are going to help us win? Is that how the selection process works? A little bit, yeah. yeah. So team dynamics um, is massive. Look, we typically, we're going to need to be able to catch the ball. You know, we don't have 95 to 98 flamethrowers who can strike guys out. We are going to need to attack the strike zone. We're going to pitch to contact. So ultimately we need a defensive team that can catch the ball and be really clean um, because we need to try and keep scores down um, and then look for opportunities offensively to, to make things happen. So bat-to-ball skills are huge for our offensive guys. We can't have a lot of swing and miss in this kind of tournament. We need to be able to put the ball in play, move runners over, or if there's a run at third with less than two outs, we have to get them in if we get the opportunity. So these are the little things that we're going to look for as a staff um, when we pick the team. Can they do that job? Um, can they move? Can they run? Can they take 90 feet or score on a base hit? Um, all those sort of things are going to be really valuable. So, And, you know, little things, we'll put them on the clock. We'll see how they move. Um, you know, can they handle the pressure of the speed of the game? Mm. Can they handle some velo off a machine? Those sort of things will, will become evident pretty quickly. And um, like my mate Shannon says, uh, guys will either work their way onto the team or out of the team. Mm. The, you know, you sort of talked about the defensive side of things in it and, you know, you're almost leaning towards a small ball approach, which no one likes talking about. But as a manager of a, a team like this, is that, you know, do you, are you going to have to steal bases? Are you going to have to really try and manufacture to, to sort of dent the scoreboard? Is that what's going to have to happen? I, th- I think somewhat, uh, especially against the top nations. You know, we know you're not going to go out and score 10 runs against mm. Korea or Japan and things like that, you know, unless they, they have a terrible game. But they typically throw strikes. Um, it's it's very difficult to go out there and hit, hit for power against those guys, you know. Ultimately, we don't want to give up power and we, we want to give those guys opportunities to drive the ball and that's a key focus. But ultimately, in, in key moments, we need to be able to execute a job. And whether that's hit and run, whether that's, you know, move a guy over or bunt a guy or, or whatever. So we need to be able to handle the bat in, in that regard. Mm. So just in terms of squad makeup, um, what's the balance of sort of, you know, we always say first and second year guys. So there's some guys on this is that would be their last trip and then some younger guys. Um, you know, from everything you've said, anyone has a chance to make the team. But... Where's the strength in the squad, and um, do you do you have to do team selection around? You know, you talked about defence. So, would you 
do you potentially sacrifice some offense to take a glove that may be stronger? Like how do you how do you put this puzzle together? Yeah, it's difficult, um, that's for sure. But I think, look, I think we're confident in the arms um, looking at the overall group that are going to be able to attack the zone. Um, we've got a couple of pro guys that are coming in, which is, is always exciting, um, but they'll also be on restrictions, so that's something else you have to manage Yeah, I want to ask you more. about that in a second. Um, look, I think defensively we're going to be really strong. Mm. Um, we've got a couple of guys that can move. We've got some versatility um, in the field. Um, really confident with our outfield. Probably Our outfield uh, hitting-wise is probably a little bit stronger in depth, um, but infield-wise we've got some kids that can catch the ball too and can play probably any any side of the infield, which is also important. And we've got some catches that I think will be strong and up for it as well. So I think defensively, you know, I'm comfortable that we'll, we'll be clean out there. It's just trying to put together a lineup around that that we feel that can um, score some runs and, like I said before, is executing situations. Mm. The I just want to talk about I'm, – I'm always fascinated about how a coach and coaching staff manages a tournament because you've got underage players – playing every single day, which some of them have never done before, and you've got to be cognizant of you know, pitch counts and fatigue and, you know, do you run the same catcher out every day if they're hot? How do you how do you balance that? So um, obviously I'm going to fire off a bunch of questions at you around that sort of stuff. So first of all, you talked about you've got pro guys who are, have been made available for this. How many pro guys have you got? Uh, we've got two, I believe, at the moment that are going to be available. And what sort of – they're on the back end of their pro season, so obviously there's an element of fatigue there potentially. What sort of restrictions do they have? Yeah, they'll probably be on pitch counts um, or innings. So and pro guys are a little bit different. If they Normally if they throw, say, an inning, they're going to have a day off or something like that. Um, if they throw a couple of innings, they're going to have two days off. That's generally kind of what the case is. So we're still waiting to hear f- and finalising what restrictions they will be, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, depending on how much they've thrown mm. over the last month as well. But it's something you've got to think about, especially how you handle them, when you use them, do you start them, do you bring them in in um, you know, key high leverage situations late in the game and, and use them to close out a game or do you start them and try and get off to a to a positive start and give yourself a chance to win on the front end. So mm. that's something the staff will you know, come together after every night and, and look at what's ahead, what have we got available. Um, the big thing going on what you said is, you know, we'll calculate how many innings guys are thrown, um, you know, who's the freshest for the game day. So, so pitching-wise, every game that we have, we'll list who's thrown what over the last couple of days, who's the freshest, um, and potentially then what situation we use them in. And is there, similar to sort of the Australian Youth Championships, is there, is there pitch count limits? They're very limited in this sort of tournament. Um, yeah, not very much. Yeah, right. So you can, you can roll a guy out. <laughs> you could uh, do whatever you want, basically. You, I think it's about 104, pitch limit. So there is a pitch limit, and then they've got to have about four days off. But apart from that, you can throw a fair bit and, and go. And there's no like restrictions that. or uh, baselines on a, a position player has to play X number of innings. You could. No. Play a hot hand the whole tournament every game. Yeah, if you want to. You yeah, know, right. This is a national, you know, it's a World Cup. Um, obviously, in this sort of tournament, you're playing every day. You, you need to, you got, you need mm. to use guys and, and situationally. So um, everyone everyone will play a role. But as you said, if, if there's a hot hand or a hot hitter, then you try and find a way to get them in the lineup. But in saying that, it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid over there. So we will need to... Be careful about how we use guys and um, make sure they're fresh for the situations we need them for. So this is the bit that 
I'm particularly interested in is the sort of the psychology involved with being a coach, right? And you've done this a long time and you've done it at various levels. You, how do you stop a guy derailing himself, bad game? Like you as the coach, what's your role there to sort of say, hey, you know, there's a lot of pressure on these kids and they want to do really well. If you can see a guy scuffling, what do you do to sort of, you know, try and keep it on the tracks? Yeah, it's difficult and (laughs) there's no easy solution to that. Um, Some of it's been a focus from camp in the language we've used with the kids and also a couple of the meetings we've had and communicating with the HP and the other staff about how we prepare them uh, mentally. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing about, you know, them controlling their game, um, you know, being ready to compete one pitch at a time and... Like I said before, um, giving them permission to fail. This mm. is a World Cup. It's going to be difficult. They're not going to go out there and, and dominate and strike everyone out. They're not going to go out there and hit 500 and, you know, and, and be on every game. So giving them per- permission to fail and um, just keeping them in the moment, you know. Um, they're going to have an opportunity at some stage. They're going to probably have a rough outing or, you know, not to their liking. Mm. So just communicate with them saying, look, you're going to come up again. We're going to use you and... We need you ready for that next outing or that next pitch or that next at-bat. So that's going to be the common language that I think is across the board. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty confident that our guys um, will be will be prepared. We've, I think you and I have touched on this on a podcast a while ago, but, you know, back when we first started playing, you know, the coaching staff would post a lineup and you didn't know if you were playing and there was just no communication. And if you had a crappy game, you didn't really know if you were ever going to play again and you know one of the things you really struck me when I was chatting with you previously was just that positivity that's involved as being a coach is you know you're gonna fail but we're here to help you and support you you know how much time are you thinking about you know working through the squad and talking to different players and sort of building you got to build a relationship with a group of kids you got to create a culture in three weeks and you're pulling a team together like how much of your job and your coaching staff's job is just kind of dragging these kids along and kind of you know, cheerleading for them, being positive and communicating. It sounds like it's a massive part of the job now. It is a massive part of the job and um, I think that's the real enjoyment though. Mm. Um, especially as you get higher up, it's, it's less about teaching them all the mechanics and this and that. It's about how... What are their strengths? You know what works well for them, and, and understanding and being aware of that. And and for us, it's it's about communicating um, that to them. I'm, I you know I like to be trying be as transparent as I can. And you know my role is to going to be around going around every kid and make sure they're aware that they matter and that mm. you know we want them to be a big part of this. Um, as well as the staff. So, you know, there'll be situations where we've got to, we've got to boost them up and, and give them confidence. The other times it might be pulling them in and having a conversation about how they're feeling and things like that. But for me, that's the beauty about going to a tournament being on the road. You, you, sp- you can spend a lot of time with them, you know, and it's having those other informal conversations, I think, with them away from, you know, trying to tell them how to play the game. Mm. Um, they're kind of the, the important conversations and building relationships with these guys. And like you said, I, d- I don't know a lot of them well, you know, we've had brief conversations with them at camp and um, around the place, but that first week is going to be important in building that trust between each other. Mm. And just, you know, like you've got a pretty good and very experienced coaching staff going away with you. And I was <clears> – <throat> my favourite part of these types of things is actually the rooms after the game, sort of breaking it down, thinking about what we could have done differently and how do we build a lineup for the next day. Like how much – how much time is spent doing that with the coaching staff? And I'm guessing there's some fairly robust conversations in the rooms. There's um, a lot. I mean, even at the camp, right, I, 
it's one of my favourite times coaching is is the camps because we get to be on the field every day mm. and then we have a meeting every night and we'll have a meeting and then we'll sit around for another hour talking baseball about certain things about players and things and that. So on something like this, we'll we'll meet every night. We'll we'll go through, you know, for me, I'll go through the daily plan of the next day, what we need, um, ask the coaches what went well. And then it's, um yeah, full discussions around what player A can do, what player B can do, what about this situation. Post games during the tournament will be huge. Um, planning for, not necessarily planning, but being ready for that game or the game after. So always trying to think ahead. Um, we, you know, my job's to be ready for anything and in, in every situation. So us as a staff will have a lot of conversations around that, a lot of informal conversations, and you're kind of always on on these sort of mm. events. So just in terms of um, picking the team, so they go in, they've got this um, lead-up event prior to, are you communicating with guys along the way saying, hey, you're probably going to make the team or is it a big surprise, this is the squad? How do you go about kind of making the announcement? Um, we need to formally announce, I think, around about when we play the three-game set just prior. Mm-hmm. So we'll pretty much need to have that squad picked by then. Um, obviously, as days go by, you kind of – putting guys onto the green list or you're moving them away to the to the orange or the red list is typically the way I talk about it. We have a green in, orange kind of could go the way and kind of red not in. Um, and we might move those across across that board from time to time or day to day. Um, with the players, I think it's more we need them to expect to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, we might have some informal conversations around what we think their role would be. Um, you know, whether that's as an outfielder or a guy that could potentially, you know, play first base or, or flip-flop in the outfield or, you know, we need you ready to play shortstop or things like that. But we won't, you know, I think you've got to be careful of, of telling guys they're in or out because for me there's a spot to be won mm. um, and these guys need to be able to compete every day for that spot. For some guys, um, you know, they look, they're not silly either, Stu. They're... Um, Guys have a pretty good awareness of mm. where they sit um, in the matrix compared to other guys. So I think by the end of that week, some guys will realise maybe they're not up for it or haven't probably performed. Yep. Um, but, yeah, some of them are really – it's it's a tough – it could be a flip of coin and it might just depend on what we see them, how they fit into the mix of, of tournament baseball. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> What percentage of the teams on the, you know, what are there guys? There's got to be guys be like, that's a green list. There's, or is it 100% if you show up in the first week and you're a dodo? You're like, how does that, you've got to have a sense that these guys are going to be on the squad. Yeah, look, we have a sense of um, from camp what we liked at camp. So, you know, we've kind of discussed as a staff what we saw as camp for where they probably sat from there. Um, we've got consistent um, reports from pitchers especially over the last couple of weeks, their velos, what they're throwing, have they been throwing strikes, how they're looking, um, you know, can they build up as a starter or are they going to be better off in the relief role? So that's the other thing, especially with pitchers, is like, well, we need a guy that can go back-to-back days or pitch two innings one day, have a day off and pitch another two innings. Can they do that? Mm. So that's going to come into play a little bit as well in, in relievers versus guys that can start. But, yeah, look, there's guys we think should make the team. Um but there is a good group that we think if they show up, they, it could go either mm. way. 
you know. So, and that's for me, that's the exciting part. It's not like, geez, who do we put in this team? Yeah. It's like, well, man, we're going to pick the best team mm. ready to go. So, look, you always have an idea, um, and we have to, but um, there are there are definitely spots open. That's for sure. Well, you've always had good footwork, Andy, and you sidestepped <laughs> that one pretty good. Um, so, for the guys who don't make the team, what happens to them? You know, it's not just the thanks for one week over here. They go on and still have the ability to play and showcase their skill set. What does that part of the trip look like for them? Yeah, so the exciting part is they'll they'll stay on. Um, I think we've organised about five five games for those that that lot of guys and potentially some a couple of college tours maybe um, and getting some some different things on the side for those guys. So they'll be able to continue on and and hopefully um, play some more games. Um, continue to show their their tools and um, hopefully have some conversations with some different coaches and and go on to potentially a couple of college tours and and see what they think. So um, yeah, a good opportunity for those to still continue to have a really good experience. And you, in your experience, what's the scouting? The scouting community comes out for this, but that's not just pro baseball. That's um, college uh, recruiting as well. Is how how well populated are the stands with colleges and, and pro teams? I think being in Florida, uh, biggest World Cup in a long time, mm. probably um, there is going to be a lot of people there. Mm. You know, especially that first week, hopefully, um, and then you know we've got that three game set, which I th- I assume there's going to be a number of scouts and and colleges there, and then obviously the World Cup is there should be a lot as well. So I'd expect more than normal, and mm. I think there'll be a lot of people with a lot of interest. The um Interesting piece about these tournaments is just the absolute highest level of talent. Who, aside from the US, like what other teams are really kind of at the at the peak of their powers, and what are the teams you worry or not worry about, but you know this is going to be a real contest. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, obviously, not playing a tournament for a while. Um, there's not a lot of recent history. But your powerhouses in Japan, US, obviously, are probably the two standouts. Um, the Asian teams play a different style of baseball, so that's always challenging. How so? Um, you know, it's potentially bunt a lot, yeah. um, show bunt, slash, run. Um, they kind of do some quirky things in the field and offensively, so... Um, for our guys, it can throw them off a little bit. So that's why it'd be good to play Chinese Taipei um, before we, we start the tournament. Um, they're always a really good quality. Korea's getting better and better, so I'd expect them to be uh, pretty tough. Um, and then obviously Canada, you know, they're always well prepared. This is probably the event they throw the most resources into, the under 18s. So, you know, they've been probably working out as a squad um, going around America the last months, getting ready and, mm. and playing teams. So, Mexico is an unknown. You know, they can they can be really good or they can be inconsistent. Um, so the Latin teams can be really flashy and flary and, and be outstanding. And other times, potentially, they can be um, a little bit miscued. So they're a little bit more unknown, I would say. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's. So yeah. Is there any scouting that goes into this, or are you just trying to watch previous games and get a sense of, you know, it's almost, it's almost adjusting on the fly. Is, is how do you make this work as a staff? It is a little bit. Look, we'll um, we have some Australian scouts that are in the US that go to Asia and things like that. So we will hopefully try and lean on them um, if they have any kind of looks in on on guys so and, and get a little bit of information and then it's up to us as a staff to to nail down and, and watch these teams and, and find out what they can and can't do pretty quickly 
Um, but it's also tournament baseball. It's, yeah, you've got to be careful of relying too much mm. on what other teams are doing. We've got to make sure we, we compete to our strengths. And But the more knowledge you have, sometimes the better decisions you can but make. Can you do things like, can you do defensive shifting? Do you have enough information to do that? Yes or no. Um, small sample size mm. are sometimes tough. Um, you can make educated guesses on how guys swing and, and what you see in some games, but sometimes from game to game, depending on what the pitching's like, can be a bit skew if. Mm. So you've got to be careful not to um, probably overdo it. Um, so, But if we've got the information there and we've got some video and, and we've watched some guys play, we can get a pretty quick idea of mm. how guys hit. Um, you know, are they, do they swing early in the counts? Do they dead pull? You can can get a pretty good feel mm. of that early on. So in terms of the tournament setup, it's early early days, it's um, round round robin play, we play everyone in your pool. That's a game per day? Yeah. Yep. yep. And then that um, leads to, I guess, the, effectively the tournament play where your winner takes all. What's the approaches of coaching? So if you just try and win as many games as you can in the pool or how do you attack that? Tournament base is always a funny one because you, you really do need to try and just go out there and win every day. Um, but the big thing is you could drop a game or two early um, that you don't want to, but if you come up and beat one of the high-ranked teams, sometimes you can push your way in but also take those points over the next round. So it's a crossover pool. So if you go through the next round, you take the points of who you've beaten that go through as well. Right. So say, for example, say we play in Mexico and Japan and – we go through with those two. We beat those two, but we drop a couple of games against some lower-ranked teams. Um, we're still in a better spot because we take the points over against them. Mm, so, okay. But to get through that next round, you've got to win the games mm. you should win. Yep. But tournament base was funny. You can drop a game and still very much be in the mix. So you as a coaching staff, this is the stuff that is really interesting. You're looking at your pool, who the teams we should beat, do you st- you're obviously structuring, we're going to throw this guy against that team because we know we can get a win here or we should get a win here. Um, I'm assuming that sort of stuff happens. I'm throwing this at you. Is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah, part yeah, absolutely. Of um, and again, you only, you only know what you know too, so um, it, it can be tough. But ultimately, you've got to win the games you need to win, um, but you, you have to win a big game over there. Mm. Ultimately, like, you've got to knock off one of the top two. Kind of. So who are the ranked. top four ranked teams? Uh, you'll have Japan, USA, um, probably Korea. Um, not sure where Canada are ranked. Um, Canada and USA are in the other pool from yeah. us. Um, so who are the top teams in your pool? Uh, we'll have probably, I think it's Korea. I'll just pad here while Andy re- reaches for his uh, database. Um, um, so the, the challenge obviously is... You know, how do we align up an arm where we think we can get a win? The next question I've got for you is, if a game gets away from you or, conversely, you blow someone out, what do you do as a coaching stuff? Like You might have a, an ace going who's just absolutely cruising and you guys have just 10 running a team. Do you get him out or do you keep him in there? How, does, how do you roll that one? Yeah, it's a tough one. That's why I've got to make the decisions. <laughs> um, and that's where kind of the before the game it's like, We'll talk about if one if the game goes either way, who do we need to bring in? Who do we need to save? Um, 
do we roll this guy out and to save arms for the next game? Yep. Or can we chew innings up here somehow? Um, so they're all the in-house things that we will discuss and need to be ready for because things can change very quickly. Mm. You can have a blowout inning and suddenly, bang, all right, you've got to sit down. I need to bring this guy in because I want to save him potentially in two days' time where he can back up. Um, but going back to your question, our pool is we got Japan, Chinese Taipei, Mexico, Panama and Italy. So, you know, Japan and Chinese Taipei typically um, at this age level have been, you know. Tough. Tough. Yeah. You know, they're going to have guys and they're pretty well executed team. Mexico's an unknown and same with Panama. Um, Italy's lower rank, but they'll they'll generally have an, an ace or two. At this age group, everyone's got a couple of guys that can go to and, and potentially mm. win you a game. So mm. that's where it's really tricky and you can't take anyone for granted. I'm not going to put you on the spot and say, hey, what's it going to take to win this tournament? Because it would be a long shot. But for an Australian under-18 team, what does success look like? I think making it through that second round and giving yourself a chance to win a medal. Yeah. You know, I think a few years ago the the in Korea the guys did really well. They um, That was a typical one where they lost a game or two but um, got through and actually took some points over and um, won another game and then they were in the bronze medal game against, I think it was Korea, um, and they kind of got robbed in one game where it should have been a home run. So they're really unlucky not to to win a medal there but um, pretty outstanding tournament Mm. from them. So we're kind of looking for something similar, you know. Our first goal is to try and get through the next stage Mm. and then anything can happen. So... That's kind of what our, our aim will be. And to do that, we've got to pitch really well and we've got to catch the ball and um, hope some results come our way. But, um, you know, that's what we're planning for. And I think if I think we've got a group that if um, they stay within themselves, I think we'll have a good opportunity. Mm. What's the best part about coaching a tournament team as, as the head coach? Um, well, it's something I love doing. Um, it's something I take a lot of pride into. Um one, like we said, it's just being on the field every day, talking to the coaches about baseball. Mm. And for me, it's the conversations and being a part of these guys' development. I think that's what I take most pride in, in, in having the conversations help them um, and hopefully try and impact and help on their development um, for the future that they take and, and having an experience with them on the field and, you know, representing your country and hopefully, you know, an opportunity to try and be part of history and making something happen on the world's stage. But um, being someone that they um, can rely on um, and help them on their on their path. You also coach the Perth Heat, ABL team, and, you know, from afar you'd look like, you know, you're a player's manager. There's not a lot of barking at guys and those types of things. But how does, how does managing adults differ? And these are young men, but how, does, how do you have to adjust your style uh, across those two levels. Obviously, ABL, you're playing for a three-month period of time. You really get to know the guys and their men. A lot of them are pros. But how do you have to adjust your style for the, the different skill sets and the different ages? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, probably probably just communication-wise and not assuming some things. Mm. Um, I think with the pro guys, for some of them, they're all on different stages in their careers and, and history and things like that. Sometimes you just got to let them um, um, let them play a little bit more. Um, you know, obviously we hold them accountable and, and there's things that go on there. Um, with, with the younger guys, the communication is key, like you said. Um, a little bit more on the mental side of things in preparing them um, for those games. And after games, like we said, you know, from, from disappointment or success and how we then prepare them and, and get them down and ready for that next game. 
um, and a little bit more specific probably in our approach pre-game preparation and things like that. By the time, you know, working with the Heat guys in professional baseball, most of them have their own feel of how they need to get ready for mm. a game. So we're a little bit more lenient on that preparation with these guys we probably need to take some of that decision-making out and try and work out what's best for the team and the players to get ready for a game. Just actually, it's an interesting point. What level of, like, the recovery piece in a tournament is obviously important. The rest, nutrition, how do you ensure that the guys, you know, they're a bunch of young guys on tour with their mates. How do you ensure that they're getting some rest? How do you ensure they're recovering and eating right what whose job's that yeah myself and the staff and we'll have a physio on board with us and dave say um that's going to be a big part of his role is making sure the guys recover the right way um whether that's pool recovery or whether it's massages um hydration is going to be key it's going to be 30 odd degrees and probably 80 humidity so the boys are going to sweat a lot um boys and girls we've got jen on the team as well so on the group so um yeah, it's going to be a different environment coming over from cold weather here. So I think that's why getting over there early is really important for us too because we're going to sweat it out and kind of find out it's going to hit us pretty hard early on. So um, managing the workload is really important um, from my point of view. Um, so even early days, how much they're throwing, what intent they're throwing, how much workload we give them in the mornings and games. Mm-hmm. So. That's part of my my role and, and working with the physio and, and things like that and what we need to do. But you know what, Stu, uh, the guys are the guys are pretty professional these days. Mm. Um, the guys generally know what they need to do. Um, it's just reminding them, probably um, a little bit different. Like the fifteens that I've been involved with, where they're still immature. They're like it's a big thing for yeah, them. Yeah. These guys. You know, some of these guys been on summer trips. Some of them been away from home already doing various trips. Some of these guys have been on Little League World Series and touring teams. So they're a little bit more mature and have probably been around a little bit more um, as far as what that looks like. Um, but the food part of things is going to be important and nutrition and, and, and drinking a lot of water mm. and sustaining that side of things. But, you know, we've already had the conversation with the group. You know, we had a team meeting um, through Zoom a couple of weeks ago and I just, you know, I rehearse that as far as you guys need to be getting to sleep in right now you need to be eating well you need to recover um, because that all matters mm. preparing themselves and their legs running getting their legs in shape to be able to to get on the field every day because mm. ultimately if they get hurt or they're tired at the end of the tournament it's going to affect whether we can win or not yeah it's pretty hard to replicate florida humidity and if you haven't experienced it it's probably one of the grossest environments to be in where it's just like walking into a brick wall of steam so um uh, yeah I, I think that's that's the draining component yeah a, you're playing every day but you're playing in conditions that just suck the energy out of you so uh yeah trying to adapt to that as quickly as possible is going to be um going to make or break teams and then you've got the the schedule of yep. playing at night maybe then a morning game evening game things like that so just trying to get our sleep in when we can and make sure they have some downtime and and relax and do those sort of things that's going to be vital. Well, that's the thing as well. They're away representing the country, but it's also meant to be a good time. So, you know, yeah. enjoy yeah. it. We want to enjoy the experience mm. and, you know, meet new people and, and be around it. But obviously with COVID and things like that, it's probably a little even more stressful as far Actually, as... I didn't even think about it. How do you guys manage that? Yeah, we're still working through that phase of, mm. of the logistics of, of roomings and things like that and, um, you know, how much leeway we give them and, and protection and 
out, you know, eating out and mm. going out, getting out of the hotel still and trying to be normal mm. people, but obviously protecting them from from getting crook and, and what whatnot. Well, Andy, we really um, wish you the best and I, I think there's n- – from a preparation point of view, this seems to be something that's fairly unique and something that hopefully puts us in good standing to really compete. So uh, we'll be watching intently. We've got a bunch of content that's about to start coming out about the players and the squad that's travelling away. And um, we're really excited to see how Australia goes on this stage after quite some time being away from it, mate. Thanks very much and all the best. Thank you.